Hello and welcome to Game Like Training Radio, powered by the Golf Science Lab, where we'll help you set up practice and learning environments to actually help you play your best game on the course and not on the range. Hey, I'm one of your hosts, Cordy Walker. And I'm your co-host, Matthew Cook. All right, I'm excited to be here with John Kessel. He's the Director of Sport Development for USA Volleyball. And you might be thinking, why are we talking with someone that works in volleyball about golf? Well, I think some of the most interesting insights are when you look outside of of the sport that you're in uh, and you look to see what other people are doing. So, John, really excited to have you. How's it going? Yeah, it's excellent. I'm Pleased to be here learning and sharing with you guys. Awesome. Let's start with this. You've been doing this for quite a while. What are some of the biggest shifts or some of the biggest changes that have happened in your life and the way that you approach learning over the years that you've been doing this? Well, I, I like that you're saying learning because that might be one of the first places that I changed. I thought I was coaching and sort of treating the athletes as as almost like objects, you might say, to, to, to teach. And I finally realized that, and early on, because I got lucky to be around a guy named Dr. Carl McGowan, who is a professor of motor learning emeritus now from BYU, who works with our national men and women's teams, and is really the sort of the person behind all the success that we've had internationally. Um, you know, I think your listeners might be intrigued to find out that the men have won three gold Olympic medals and four other medals in world titles that are really hard to do. We have no pro league, and yet we've won those medals with a grand total of around 121 scholarships available to the men in volleyball. Whereas our women who were trained in the more blocked and um, controlled environment, you might say, uh, they just won their first gold medal in 62 years of being in international volleyball and have won three silver medals, yet they have over 10,000 scholarships annually to uh, given out to, you know, to great athletes and talent. And so the idea that learning is, you know, this is motor skill learning is a really important part of this topic because uh, a lot of people will talk about muscle memory, for example, as probably golfers, you know, hey, you got a the muscle memory of what you just did is why you screwed up or I don't know what. But the reality is that there's no such thing as muscle memory. This is all about the training of the brain. We, we had a recent webinar called The Game Trains the Brain. And when you think about it as how do I make myself learn this better um, then the research in the last 40 years just continued to grow and grow about how do we learn more effectively. 20 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of motor learning science areas, probably about retention. And retention, of course, is the ability to do it on Saturday after learning it, let's say, quote, learning it on Tuesday. The late Dr. Richard Schmidt, when he talked to a large group of Olympic coaches at the OTC where I work, the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, um, I'd say about a half a dozen, maybe 10 times would be asked, well, does this help? And he would listen to the idea and he'd say, well, it sounds like you're training for practice rather than for performance. And that's because what we want to do isn't show or 
quote, learn it on Tuesday. We want to be able to retain it and be able to do it for a long time. So I think one of the biggest places, and you know, I, I really, not just because he's a lefty like me, but I really like um, Bubba Watson and his creativity on the, on the, uh, the course. When you learn things intrinsically, they are retained far su- superiorly than if I am told what to do. And th- this is probably the biggest thing I'd like to get across to a good teacher. And I think we know it, though. I'm going to use the example of how did you learn to ride a bike? I doubt that your parents, as loving as they are, because nobody has, I don't think anybody's died playing golf or volleyball. Um, but every year, kids die learning how to ride a bike. Yet, in learning to ride a bike, your parents, now they would put a helmet on you. Back in my day, they didn't. And you learn to ride a bike. And how did you do it? Did your parents hire a bike riding coach? No. Did they put you through any bike riding drills? No. Did they send you to a bike riding summer camp? Or did they do bike riding progressions is another thing that was very strong 40 years ago in sport and still is out there in teaching educa- physical education. But no, you, you got on the bike and you wobbled and somebody held you up and then all of a sudden wasn't holding you up. And now the, the wise wisdom of a parent might be don't fall down. You know, you know, your brain is totally into not falling down and your parents are telling you to not fall down. And of course, if you hear the word don't, you think about what it is. And <laughs> so you're thinking about falling down and that's like the opposite you, of what you want to do is feedback there. But when all said and done, if you haven't ridden a bike in five years, you're going to get on a bike and you're going to wobble maybe for about two seconds and then you're going to boom, ride off. So that's a great example of intrinsic learning. And if I tell someone what to do, it is both retained worst. And I think the other part is that I don't, I can't problem solve novel situations as well as if I've been figuring this out myself. And of course, if you go look at some of the BMX bikers or some of the unicyclists or the, some of the trick bikers and stuff, some of the things that they do now are are phenomenal. And I don't think they've ever done a drill. They just do things and learn by how we learn trial and error. So where does a, a golf professional come in? And the answer is really in the guided discovery side, because explicit learning or teaching where I tell you what to do is the worst remembered and worst creatively learning new things. Doing the Bubba Watson route is a possibility and it worked for him and it works for other people in other sports. But the value of an instructor or a coach is to, to take their wisdom and guide you to figure things out on your own internally. So we call it guided discovery. And the retention of that form of teaching is almost as good as if they figured it out themselves. But you, of course, speed things along. So I spend a lot of time asking why or what or how or where and questioning using the the knowledge I have from doing a sport to get them to figure out the solution themselves, the optimal solution or solutions, because there's always different ways to, to skin a cat and, and it hit golf ball to that hole and, and go down the course and, and spike a volleyball against two to three blockers or whatever. 
So we see the performance and then we query. And and in this querying, I think the term that I'd love your listeners to take away from this is, how do I become this best guided discoverer for my athlete of what's going on so they can, in part, (laughs) in no small part, really, so they can solve the problem without me when I'm not there and not need me. I and mean, we have this horrible thing in the controlled world of coaching and volleyball where the player will shank a ball and the next move out of the kid's head is to whirl and look at the bench for the answer. <laughs> and that's just like very saddening. And that's one of the things we address. And how do we stop this head turn so they can start working on the thinking and uh, the, for themselves? That's uh, some awesome examples there, John. Some really good analogies for people and the listeners. And I think you you mentioned block and random practice and the retention of of skills. And I think that's it's starting to become much more prevalent in golf now. You see a lot of golf coaches talking about this stuff more. And yeah, there are discussions and debates with blocked and random types of practice. But I mean, the science is out there, and you guys at the uh, Olympic Committee take that on board. And I think I, I couldn't agree with you more with the the main focus you would like people to take away from this with the guided be the best guided discoverers because i see in my coaching students that haven't been working with me for a long time maybe have been just been in the game for a while they've they've come to want results quickly you know instantly they it's the whole marshmallow um study you know they want the they want the results there and then so they tend to practice for practice sake and not not for long-term learning and for the improvement in the long run of those skills. And so I would love could go a little bit more into the science of, of learning with regards to the brain. So it was incredible how you sent me that um, webinar with you and, and Dr. Steve Byrne and talking about uh, synaptogenesis. And it, I think it really clarified for me what exactly does happen within the brain and and learning these new skills could you could you maybe share some of that well yeah i think that when all is said and done you know as i said in the beginning there's no such thing as muscle memory it's it's the cortex of your brain where these muscle these motor programs are stored and and we don't even know now if they're really per se motor programs that's sort of an image from a computer world that that was used to keep things moving forward, but it's more like, you know, you lay down uh, the talent code by Daniel Coyle is a great book about this myelin and the sort of the super highways that you're attempting to form in the brain. But the term is called synaptogenesis and the brain forms these synapses. And that's how we remember. And that's how we do motor skills of any sport. And we know that in training blocked in doing something in a row it is far less efficient in teaching and by teaching i'm using the word learning in the end by having the skill done repetitively over and over it's like your brain gets to go on autopilot and hardly has to um really think or lay down any more new synapses because you're just doing the same thing but when you randomize and forget and have to return so several things are happening one is that when you forget something and then have to relearn it and or or redo it 
with only a piece of what you remember, that is strengthening the synaptogenesis in your brain to be able to retrieve the information and the movement faster. And that's that's why I kind of call them super highways. It's a really fascinating thing, but when we do blocked things for practice's sake, as Schmidt would say, what is happening in the brain is that the it's not being learned as well. And we certainly aren't problem solving new situations because we're doing the same thing. There's also this, when we say the game trains the brain, that's because what we see determines how we move. And in learning, it's the environment that teaches you. And so when we go to golf ranges and when we go to block drills or play against the wall, we're getting a lot of repetitions, but we're not getting repetitions that usually have any carryover to the sport. And not that you can't use a driving range, but I think what's going to happen in a good driving range in the future is that you're going to see that the uh, surface changes constantly rather than that perfect flat thing. And you're going to be certainly wanting to aim different places rather than aim to the same spot over and over and over again or hit the same club over and over again. But in my sport, we call that game training. And I think Schmidt was one of the best, gave a great example in, in several of his motor learning books uh, about how golfers will pick up the driver, empty out the bucket, and hit the balls out of that bucket with the driver like 30 to 40 times until it feels good and then they'll either get another bucket for their next club or they'll they'll uh you know start the remaining bucket and hit it with the uh, seven iron or some other favorite club this ability to remember and recall and and having forgotten and now have to do it again is game like in golf because if you hit the driver on the first tee it may be a half hour before you hit the driver again and unless you're me, I mean, you'll hit the driver and you go, it's out of bounds. And so then you'll hit the driver again and go, dang, it's out of bounds on the other side. And then you'll finally, you know, hit it on the fairway and go, yay, I, I'm, I can now change clubs. But even there with two out of bounds, I'm only hitting it three times. Um, I'm not hitting it over and over and over again and getting, quote, a groove. So that game likeness to golf means that on the driving range you probably want to hit the driver then change a club right then if it's the driver i could see hitting the uh, five iron and then maybe hitting the wedge then and you want to be efficient in your training but yeah you're going to want to change clubs a lot or hit the iron three to four times but the the various spots on the driving range and possibly even knowing that you've got this skill set of I can hit the five iron high loft or low loft and this distance and that distance, you're going to want to vary where you hit the shots. And that randomness, aka game likeness, is going to promote better retention of the skills that you're doing on the driving range. If you're enjoying this episode, head over to golfsciencelive.com slash better training and get four videos that we've put together to help you have a more game-like training learning environment. We'll dive into the specific things that you can do to get more out of the time that you spend on the range. Golfsciencelive.com slash better training. All right, let's get back to it. 
how does this look in volleyball? Like what kind of changes have you made in, in practice? Like what, what's a before and after uh, that you, that you walk through with most teams? Well, we now say, since we learned certain things that are game-like, this is a quote of one of our gold medal coaches, Mark Dunphy. Since we learn best in things that are game-like, the ideal hitting drill is a pass-set-hit drill. The ideal setting drill is a pass-set-hit drill. The ideal hitting drill is a pass-set-hit drill. I mean, you know, the, the, and the ideal digging drill is a dig-set-hit drill. And what we used to do is digging drills and then setting drills. And we still do in a culture of tradition and change, but... We have a unique thing, I think, on our sport, unlike golf, where we have two disciplines. We have the six-on-six game. We actually have three when you include the Paralympians doing sitting volleyball, which is why I'm headed to China later today. Uh, The last qualifier for the Rio Paralympics is happening, and I'm serving on the jury and and, uh, doing some coaching clinics in China. So we have this discipline called beach volleyball, and I'm sure most of your listeners have seen it on the Olympics or seen it in some other variation. And... There's two things that beach brings to, I think, my sport that uh, applies, and that's about, about reps. When we play volleyball, one person touches and 11 watches in the six-on-six game. But when you play doubles and you're covering it for a long, most of the time, it's always been the same size court. Now it's a little uh, one-meter smaller court. You touch every other ball or you touch one in three weights or three people are watching because you're playing doubles. So that over-the-net game-like reps soar when you play doubles versus playing the six-on-six game. Yet, most sadly, many programs will play six-on-six with young kids when in reality they really need to get in, be getting their reps uh, in the doubles game. And that part of it is even more valuable because in the, in the indoor game, things are pretty calm temperature-wise and yada, yada. Well, outdoors, you can have rain and wind and all these things. And I, I remember seeing some golfer, Ian, his name was Ian something. And he's a kind of a, he's a kind of a funky, okay, that guy. I loved yeah. it because he goes, yeah, <laughs> I, I like to, you know, practice in the rain or whatever. I thought, oh, there's a guy that gets it. That's that's a good variation uh, that makes you be a better problem solver in good weather because of what he's doing. And, and we see that a lot in my sport of beach doubles that lets you get the reps. And it's a really important thing because we learn by doing, not by watching. And to everybody listening here, if you think that you watch and learn a ton, well, then you probably haven't had your kids learn how to drive who have sat in the car for 16 years of their lives, but they have no clue how to drive. And my insurance prices show that because as they learn to drive by driving, that's when my rates start to go down as they get older and more better at driving by driving. And yet, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, well, you learn a lot by watching. You get ideas and things, but the actual motor program the motor skills that we're attempting to do are only learned by doing and so a big part of what we want to do is increase the reps now you know there's some external versus internal focus research by dr wolf that's pretty fascinating and i think has some value for learning more effectively as well i just think that when you 
have an hour on the driving range, you should be playing maybe three rounds of golf if you can and and kind of doing that speed golf thing where you know <laughs> not the one where you run to the to the thing to the ball and hit the same club or carry just two clubs and hit them although that would be a, a fun way to do a day or two on the uh, the driving range i think but to not wait as long between reps so you get enough reps and your brain has to forget and not ponder as long about what's going on because your brain stores it pretty quickly and hitting it watching it see where it goes boom hit another ball not wait and wait and wait the way a lot of people do so some way that golfers should get more reps is important too and, you know, I, I kind of heard when you were saying uh, the more reps, but also maybe more challenge, like, is that something that you saw as well as that doing the, the drills, which are just very specific, wasn't challenging enough for students in that manner? Yeah. If you want to you know, Google challenge point theory, there's a lot just from that. And, and this randomness through different challenges is, is not only randomization, but it's part of the more effective remembering and recall uh, the ability to pull it out of your head and do it later on because you've had that novel experience. That's part of what randomization does is it stops you from being this sort of machine and, and starts you to be more of a, of a player. A really interesting question that we have in our sport, and I, I think, you know, I hear in golf, I used to play and I still play, but um, I've actually played with Corey Pavin for a long time. Um, and on our high school team, and he was way better than me and blur and hit the shit out of the ball and, you know, did some neat things in the, on the PGA side of things. So when we play golf, it's about reading and people say reading the greens and reading the course and creating shots to play that course. Well, we have reading in volleyball too. And the reading is one of the two most important skills in our sport. I'll challenge the listeners and say to any golf pro, the big number two and number one skills in golf are learning and reading and not necessarily the technical part of swinging a club. If you are really good at reading the course and the game and the greens and things, you're going to, score far better than someone that has good putting technique but can't read and that has to apply for your sport and my sport both i think i know that given a national team player who had okay technique and read really well or given a player who had superb technique and couldn't read very well a hundred times out of a hundred we would pick the player who could read well and that comes through play. It doesn't come through driving range, per se. Let me just ask kind of a, a final question. Or, or Matt, do you have a, a final question you want to ask, kind of an ending question, or do you want me to? Well, I was going to ask something I get in golf and something that's said quite often in golf is that we can't compare other sports because golf's different to them. And so I was going to ask these what this information that you're that you're talking about, John, is it something we can apply to golf in its entirety or is it some of the things we need to maybe stay away from in golf? 
just to answer the questions for. Yeah, I can't think of anything that you wouldn't be able to apply to golf. It's because this is about how the brain learns, not about how it plays golf. The environment shapes your performance. And, you know, the that reality, yeah, your environment's different, but it's still an environment that you're competing in. And I think that uh, I know that your sport has a lot of time between shots, except for when you're on the driving range. And from a learning point of view, since reps matter, I think that you want to I don't think that to be totally game like in golf, you're going to want to hit the driver and then wait as if you walk three minutes to the next, you know, to the ball and then hit another club. That's not as efficient in getting the reps that you want. But you do want to not hit the same club, probably, because that's like the game. What's the one thing when you talk with students, John, like what's the one thing that when you share with them has the biggest impact on on how they learn or, or the efficiency of of their learning like what's that one thing that you could part with students students with um i think it goes back to some of the nice work by dr dweck and and her research on what we now call the growth mindset and that is that mistakes are part of learning and it's okay to make mistakes and they're just another solution that didn't work right the way Edison said it. You know, what did he say? I, when he made the light bulb, but I learned, I learned 9,999 ways not to make a light bulb. You know, I mean, that's a pretty strong growth mindset right there. And, <laughs> and that, that it applies to golf shots and other things. You, you're, you're learning something as you quote air, as you hit off target your brain is still learning something and you're working to get this variance, which everybody has and down to a much narrower focus of shots. You know, variance is a, a pretty interesting thing in, in our, both in all our sports, but your, your sport, I think of Michael Phelps, the Olympian swimmer who went out there and putted a ball one time in his like first month of golf and sank a, like 154 foot putt. Well, I know that that's interesting and wonderful, but I could also bet my house that if I said, okay, here's 200 more putts, that he wouldn't make it. And we tend to forget how variance and the randomness of sport impacts our play What in everything. I mean, I, I watched a Chinese Olympic team in the 88 Olympics lose 15-0-15-2-15-9. That's a three-set loss, and they only scored 11 points. At the time, they were the best team in the world for the last seven years. They hadn't lost any world title, and they went into that match against Russia in the semifinals of the Olympics, having not lost a game for I don't know how many months, and then they lost. And, you know, you can look at the Warriors. Their skill set and their ability to play at a higher level is so high that they're going to win most of the time, but they're still going to lose like they did to the Lakers as part of it. Not because they didn't care, but because sport has variance. Awesome, John. Anywhere that you'd like to, to drive people to? Any uh, any call to action for the folks listening? You know, I, I have a Twitter account that a lot of golfers follow because I put out things about learning 
you know, so that's just John Kessel USAV, uh, USAV as in volleyball. And my blog has a lot of stuff that might help parents. I mean, I don't mean parents of sports kids, but just how to parent better, which is parenting is teaching and teaching is coaching. And I would also challenge or not, I'd, I'd urge people to go watch Taylor Malley. He's an English teacher who has some brilliant poems and things on learning and teaching that are really funny and very true and very effective. Um, and you'll, you'll see a lot of people view him, but you know, in this country, in the world, it's always surprises me how people don't know some of the great things that are out there. And so we kind of keep resharing them. And, and anything by Taylor Malley, I think, will make you laugh and make you think. Thanks so much, John. It's been uh, been amazing to learn from you and uh, hope you have a, a good trip to China. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. And, yeah, uh, thanks, John. Here's to may all your putts fall on one putt. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, John Kessel. This was a fantastic episode. I hope that you got a lot of great takeaways from this. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Game Like Training Radio so you can stay up to date on all of the latest episodes coming at you in this season of the show. And if you want to grab those four videos that we put together to help you create a more game-like training environment, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash better training to get access to those. This has been Game Like Training Radio powered by the Golf Science Lab. We'll see you all next time.